From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. It's good to have your company and to a very big show ahead. Now, Thursdays are usually, well, if not the biggest day, one of the biggest days for news and uh, all the opinions that we like to dish out because we have some commentators who, well, they lash out more than dish out, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Thank you so much for clicking all the right buttons. And as you know, you can watch TNT programs. You can watch this very program, the one that you're listening to right now, on just about every one of the video platforms available right around the globe, available to modern man and woman. So that's all you have to do. Um, you know, with so much war and conflict in our world right now, wouldn't you think that a nation that may have enjoyed 200 years of peace, 200 years, you'd think that they might turn the other way, turn their cheek and not create their own conflict? Well, that's what I thought. But this peace-loving nation whose leaders have obviously been drinking or smoking the wrong things, maybe snorting the wrong things, are forcing their teenagers into conscription for a probable war. It is a true story and it is gobsmacking. I'll get to that first up on the program. Now, my guest today is the very adorable, but very scary to some, former liberal and actress, Natalie Beisner, who we have on on a semi-regular basis. She's been on fire on social media recently, and we had to drag her in, so to speak. Uh, we're talking about the pathetic attempt by the EU to sanction commentator Tucker Carlson, all because he dared to interview, yes, Vladimir Putin. What is it about journalism that political leaders don't quite get? See, they think journalists have to be there to push their barrow, to run their press releases, to follow their narrative. And most of the mainstream media do do that. There used to be a thing called investigative journalism many decades ago. But anyway, I digress. Tucker Carlson is interviewing one of the most intriguing, controversial and sought after leaders in the world. Is he not, Vladimir Putin? Whether he's doing the right thing, the wrong thing, or something in between, which is more like it, why wouldn't you ask him for an interview and do it? I would. Tucker got the interview when we we're about to see it um, in around about 22 hours' time, and we look forward to it. But they want to sanction him. <laughs> How do you sanction a journalist? What You want to lock him up as well? Just extraordinary. We'll talk about that with Natalie. We'll also chat about the old lefty Bernie Sanders, who made a very lame attempt to take down Donald Trump in the last 24 hours. And has Trump lost his marbles? Did you know that Trump has gone into bat for Bud Light? Yes, he has. The MAGA movement had better protest. They'd better get out of the streets and ask Trump the same question. Have you lost your marbles? But we'll explain the background to all of that on the program with Natalie today. Now, not good news from the Middle East, as you've been hearing in our news bulletin throughout the day and the night, because Israel has rejected this, I've got to say, one-sided cessation of fighting and hostage deal proposed by Hamas. It was all about giving Hamas some right in a newly found Palestinian state. 
well, Israel is against the whole Palestinian state for starters, but they're also against Hamas existing at all. That was never going to work. But Hamas has successfully shown the world that Israel doesn't want to come to the table, but they do. This is the propaganda war that's being played. Um, we'll unpack all of this and the latest developments from the region with our very reliable intel officer himself, Shane Healy. Now, Australia's highest ranking libertarian is on deck today. Yes, John Ruddick, MLC from Sydney. He is on the program. We're going to talk about his party's assault on local government today. He's major, made a major announcement about what that party intends to do with local government elections, which I don't quite understand, but we'll get JR to describe what uh, this is all about. He wants to talk about Putin and uh, Tucker Carlson as well. We'll let him go for his life. And more importantly, he wants to discuss Harvard University's latest COVID vaccination mandate. Can you believe, oh, look, I can believe that if you were talking about any university, any campus in the United States of America, it would be Harvard that would go down the, the COVID mandate path. So you can't study unless you take a jab, because as we know, jabs will stop you getting COVID. Oh, hang on. That's not right. Uh, jabs won't spread COVID. Uh, it does. Anyway, you know what I mean. Unbelievable. Um, there's plenty of other dodgy news that we need to expose as well in the program. So lots of information coming your way. But how about we also get you on the talkback lines where you are treated as a VIP. You'll get straight to air, give or take a minute or so, and you'll get a chance to be part of the conversation, not just with our audience, with our viewers and our listeners, but also with our guests. If you want to be part of that conversation, jump on. Uh, you can do so from the United States or Canada on 1-888-201-6425. You can do so from the UK on 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. We are broadcasting live. You're with Chris Smith. We're coming to you from the city of Sydney on the Global News Talk Network, TNT. Be a part of the conversation. I want representation I can trust. Have your say. Biden isn't doing enough. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, there's a lot about war that sickens me. There's a lot about hawkish uh, egomaniacs who run regimes and even Western countries who perpetuate war that I detest as well. We all should. It kills people and in most cases achieves nothing. I hate that. But, you know, I think this is up there for something we should also hate related to war, conscription. It's always been an abuse of human rights, a weak way to prop up aggressive regimes, and in real terms, a sick way to kill your young citizens because that's who they usually recruit. Teenagers, strong, fit, healthy, dumb enough to think that it's all for the country and it's all for the better good until they get over there and realise it's not so simple. Now, they argue that it's a healthy policy, but Sweden has decided to drop its guard after 200 years of peace and conscript its people. And this has blown me away. This is a proud and intelligent country with a tradition of neutrality, Sweden. 
As a matter of fact, in many economic and social ways, we look at Sweden and other Scandinavian countries as some kind of beacons. But they're arguing that this is a healthy policy conscription. And I think they're speaking with a forked tongue. I think NATO might be shoving a gun in their backs. They cite Russia's invasion of Georgia in 2008, of Crimea in 2014, Ukraine in 2022. But Sweden would not be in the danger of being attacked if it just insisted on not joining NATO. And we all know the background of all of this. The USSR dealt with NATO and dealt with the United States and maintained that those who bordered those nations, Russia's borders, as long as they weren't members of NATO, that was all well and good and it was agreed to. And now in 2024, you've got Turkey giving it the green light and Hungary probably down the track. And then Sweden becomes part of NATO. And then what do you think Russia will do? Who knows? Maybe Russia will do nothing. That'd be great. I hope I'm wrong about the danger. But if Sweden hadn't have gone down the NATO track, there wouldn't have been any harm done to Sweden by anyone. They could have continued their 200 years of peace. Now, there's a little place I should point out that they think will be the first place to be attacked. That is Gotland. It's an island around about 170 miles from the Russian port. Uh, the conscripts in this CGTN TV report this week could not have enjoyed being forced into the Swedish army, but that's what's happened. They've been forced into the role by conscription and they are trapped. And they were forced to say the right things for the camera as well. I is important and to like build up the forces, the army. So I, I feel like I'm doing an important thing for my country. Killing another person is still on the conflict if I can do it or if I'm not the per right person to be here. Yes, teenage girls are just as expendable as conscripts and a part of the re-militarisation of Sweden. Old military bases, they're being revamped and NATO is partly financing and resourcing the training. The ones who have Gotland has the ability to control the sea and airways within the Baltic Sea and within the Baltic region. So that is what makes the, the island from a strategic importance from this region. So they think that Gotland is the place that will be attacked first, and this is where the training is taking place. According to Al Jazeera this week, the Swedish army is now tripling that first intake. We're seeing the first intake in uniform, but they're tripling this, and the country is rearming. In early 2023, Bloomberg reported that Sweden plans to double the number of conscripts to 10,000 by 2030, 10,000 on the front line. This from a country after 200 years of peace does not make any sense to me. Former NATO Director of Policy Planning, Fabrice Poffier, has said that Sweden went too far in neglecting Gotland. They love a great war, NATO, don't they? Uh, last month, the Swedish Commander-in-Chief, Michael Biden, said all Swedes should mentally prepare for war. But that's not in the Swedish DNA, certainly not in the DNA of Gotland locals. We really do need to emphasise more uh, the peaceful uh, intercultural dialogue with the peoples around the Baltic Sea instead of preparing to train our young people to uh, go to war with their young people.
So it seems as if conscription with the current state of conflict and war in the world right now is the new trendy military policy. That's what it looks like, especially when you've got a country like Sweden doing it. This call to arms in Sweden, of all places, sounds exactly like what the Brits heard only last month from their commander-in-chief. Remember that? The mere suggestion of a conscription drive in the UK irked the entire country. I can't even fathom even being forced to uh, to go to war. And I have actually, just before the even you came on, I was actually researching what my rights were. I'm going to call legal hour. Because should we not be getting our, our um, Labour and Conservatives to say whether that is even on the, on the cards? Because I know for a sure, I will lob off my leg. I actually Googled, am I allowed to make myself this? I will lob off my leg before I go to war. That's the reaction in the UK. Who cares what the people want, huh? It's not a democracy. Well, that actually is, but they've forgotten it. Uh, who cares, you know, that they're urging more conflict? Who cares that they're probably going to involve their people in needless death? Who cares? The leaders won't die. No, no way. And so there's Sweden, the neutral country that we all admired, which has now been, well, basically broken down their peace by enticing war. Once you start arming, you are indicating to people that you are up for a fight. If that doesn't sicken you, not much else will. This is TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population. Populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. <laughs> No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk you are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country's all about. TNT Radio. You know, when someone's about to interview uh, a very, very powerful leader, a leader who the world talks about on a frequent basis, there's going to be a lot of discussion about it. And it's usually only when the interview airs that the discussion becomes controversial about what they said, who asked what question. Uh, how much of a free ride the interviewee got or not. But all the controversy has come before we've even seen the interview in about 22 hours' time. 
The member for the European Parliament, Guy Verhofstadt, there are many members of the European Union, he's one of them, he's even suggested, before the interview has been seen, that the EU's External Action Service, I wonder whether they're armed, the bloc's diplomatic arm, oh, they're diplomats, uh, could consider sanctioning Tucker Carlson, sanctioning a journalist. But saner voices supporting free speech have given Tucker Carlson a degree of support. Elon Musk said that anyone calling for the arrest of Tucker Carlson over the interview with Vladimir Putin should themselves be detained. I love the way he puts some of this stuff. Let's bring out guest live from LA, California, to discuss this and a whole heap more on the program. Natalie Jean Beisner is a political content creator, a former Hollywood actress, atheist, and long, long, lifelong liberal who walked away from the Democratic Party in 2020. She's now a conservative Christian and passionately pro-life. Natalie Beisner, welcome back to TNT. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, I apologise for calling you at the start of the program adorable but scary. <laughs> Is that upsetting to you? Have I offended you? No, no, I'll take that. I've, I've gotten worse. Yeah. It's a <laughs> bit like, bit like uh, sweet and sour, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hmm. that's the perfect blend, right? Yeah. Now, <laughs> it's not a matter of whether or not you like Vladimir Putin. It's not a matter of whether you think that Russia had a right to do what it's doing or didn't. It's not about Ukraine. It's not about the Ukrainian people. Is this interview just a matter of old-fashioned journalism and free speech? I think so, yes. <laughs> uh, to my knowledge, uh, Dan Rather uh, interviewed uh, Saddam Hussein. Megyn Kelly has interviewed Putin. Um, Barbara Walters interviewed Putin. I'm not sure why it's so controversial now, uh, especially considering that this conflict has been going on for well before February 2022. And uh, I don't even agree with, I think Musk is funny on on X uh, and quippy, but I don't even agree with him saying anyone calling for Tucker's <laughs> detainment should be detained. I, I you think can he was using an exaggerated yes. argument yes. to <laughs> express his point. Right, exactly. Um, but yes, I they're just drumming up more excitement for this interview, as as yeah. far as I can tell. It's like the Barbara Streisand effect, where when you try to take attention away from it by defaming it, you actually bring more attention. And so I'm excited to watch the interview. I probably wouldn't have watched it before, to be <laughs> honest. But now I'm going <laughs> to tune in tomorrow in less than 24 hours. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, I know it's probably uh, going to be translated. It'll be a bit clunky. Understand mm -hmm. all of that. But I'm interested to see whether he stumbles. I'm interested to see what his new excuses are for going a little bit further than he should have uh, in uh, in areas in the South and why he's decided to turn away from Kiev. I'm interested in aspects of what we have followed for two years, irrespective of whether he's right or wrong in doing so. Yeah, that's what journalism used to be about. I hope that Carlson goes relatively hard on him. I think yeah. he's been a little soft since he uh, went on X and did his own thing. I don't yeah. think he's gone as hard on, on interviewees as he could. But the U.S. taxpayer has already given $113 billion to Ukraine just since February 2022. So I it, it's, it's the same thing with Trump. If you think he's so terrible, let him speak. 
you know, mm-hmm. let him, uh, mm-hmm. the sunlight is the best disinfectant. Just let him out himself as the terrible, terrible person that he is. That's what journalism is for. Do you think the pylon on Tucker Carlson, even to the degree of a UN parliamentarian calling for him to be somehow um, sanctioned, do you think that's because of Tucker's politics? Yes. I think it's clearly because of Tucker Carlson's politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've hated on Tucker for a long time and and told lies about him in regards to Russia and Ukraine. And like I said before, liberal journalists have, or independent now journalists, I guess, with Megyn Kelly have interviewed him prior. Uh, Glenn Beck pointed out on X today that the New York Times was famously fawning over Hitler and uh, Stalin. So I don't know, are we going to put sanctions on on them now in retrospect? I just, again, it's it's journalism and we've all lost sight of what journalism is. Now it's become this obsession with deplatforming people and not giving them a platform. Uh, And I think that that is wrong. That just lets the bad ideas fester. And most Americans, myself included in many ways, don't actually know what's going on over there and don't actually understand what's going on over there. You have just nailed what this is about. You know, you have just nailed what this is about. It is about cancelling a certain truth that doesn't fit the current narrative. Um, he's He's a baddie, so we don't give him any platform. We're doing it in every aspect of society. We're cancelling a certain culture, a certain vision of the world. And yet at the same time, this bloke needs to be called to account. He needs to be asked the hard questions and he needs to be put under pressure to answer those questions. Exactly. Yeah. And that, again, that's what journalists should do. And I hope that Carlson does it. Uh, exactly. And I do think uh, I, I think in a way I'm not defending Putin. I know that this comes up time and again when you're critical of Zelensky. I am not a Putin puppet, but I think that he has said and done some things that scare the deep state, the powers that be. And I think that's part of it as well. I think they're mm. afraid of what Putin has to say. But either way, good or bad, let him out himself. Let him say it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be so fascinated to see what arms of the mainstream media start to censor aspects of the interview, but we'll see in the next couple of days. Now, on Wednesday, Natalie, former Russian president Dmitry Medvedev, a full-scale war uh, between Russia and NATO would leave Moscow with no choice, he said, but to deploy its nuclear assets. Quote, since our military capabilities are incomparable, we will simply have no choice. The response will be asymmetrical. To protect the territorial integrity of our country, ballistic and cruise missiles with special warheads will be used. This will be the proverbial apocalypse, he said, the end of everything. Now, this kind of puts into context the seriousness of Tucker Carlson interviewing Putin, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Again, for, well, almost two years, it's Americans have been pushed with one narrative only. Uh, We've given billions of taxpayer dollars to Zelensky. We've had fawning interviews about Zelensky. We're not getting the truth about what's happening over there. Um, And to my knowledge, Putin has never said that he wants to invade a NATO country. I could be incorrect, but I hear Nikki Haley is saying that he does. Chuck Schumer uh, this past week said that if we lose this war, meaning America, so uh, we're in a war, which 
we've been saying for quite a while, Congress hasn't declared any war. I We've been at war almost my entire life and Congress hasn't declared a single one, which <laughs> is not constitutional. So Americans know that we are in at, at least a proxy war, yeah. if not actually at war. And I don't think that most Americans understand the severity of it uh, being at war with Russia. And it seems like the U.S. is intent on pushing pushing boundaries. And again, I'm not defending Putin, but he has nuclear weapons. And again, you think he's a terrible guy and he is a dictator. So what are we doing? Because Ukraine does not affect everyday Americans' lives. No, no. And even less so people in Australia who seem to be infatuated with this (laughs) as well. I want to get closer to home. Bernie Sanders appeared on the Seth Meyers show recently and urged support for Biden over Trump. Here's part of the argument. It's absolutely imperative that Donald Trump be defeated. Uh, And it's, let let me, you know, and what this election is about, it is not just policy, it's not just differences of views on uh, healthcare, education, or tax policy. Uh, You have a president, former president, who really does not believe in democracy. He's trying to undermine democracy. He is a pathological liar. And he is, in very intense ways, trying to divide our people up. Look, this country faces enormous problems today, and we all know what they are. We're talking about income and wealth inequality. We're talking about 60% of workers living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, We're talking about the existential threat of climate change. Enormous problems facing this country. But instead of focusing and providing solutions to those problems, what Trump is trying to do is get us to hate each other. Now, that's Bernie Sanders' lame attempt to point out the differences between Biden and Trump. Can I just say a few things before we get uh, a response to you? He's right about Trump being a liar. Put that aside. Um, I would have thought the Biden administration has done enough to weaponize the justice system to show that they have no respect for democracy. Um, As for dividing people, there's Bernie from the far left, for goodness sake. They perpetuate the division between left, centre and right more than any other political side. And then he talks about how the economy is on its bum. Well, it's the bloke he wants us to vote for that took it on its bum. Having said all of that, what's your view on what Bernie had to say? Uh, I absolutely agree with you. I don't know how Trump is trying to undermine democracy by getting people to vote for him again uh, in record numbers. To me, that seems like democracy. As far as being a pathological liar, Biden has lied over and over and over again, including about the number of grandchildren that he has. I think politicians lie, unfortunately. And uh, the radical left absolutely divides. And Biden is being controlled by the radical left. I don't think he's in charge. He recently said that the border is not secure because of Trump and his MAGA friends. And that's me. He's he's talking about not just his political opponent, but he's talking about American citizens. He continually uses divisive rhetoric about ultra MAGA and MAGA this. And that is fully, maybe 50% of Americans are uh, amenable to MAGA. So you are actively talking about your own American people. And uh, the economy is is not doing well. Inflation is down uh, from a three-year high, but still prices are higher than they were two mm. years ago this time. And Americans 
can feel it. And, and, but what else are they going to say? Because they have no one else to prop up. They have no one else to run. And so we have to run this lie, just like Kamala Harris calling Biden a racist, but then being his VP, we have to, it's just all this show. And I think that the American people are tired of it. 55% of Americans in a recent CNN poll said that they do not approve of Biden's uh, work on the economy. So the numbers are there. And I don't think people are listening to Bernie Sanders. Yes. Well, at least Bernie pointed out the obvious, you know, a uh, convoluted way that uh, the economy is on its bum. I want to take a quick break and uh, we'll get some news, but we'll come back and we'll talk about Nikki Haley. We'll discuss Joe Biden getting it all wrong once again, and we're not even in an election campaign. And what the hell was Donald Trump thinking? Plenty to talk about, Nat, right after a quick break for news right here on TNT. TNT Radio News. Are you ready for some awesome news? One, two, three, four. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Israel has rejected a multi-stage, four-and-a-half-month-long ceasefire offered by Hamas, which would have ultimately ended the war. Victory is within reach. The UN Special Rapporteur on Torture has called on authorities in the UK to block Julian Assange's potential extradition to the US out of fear for his safety. And the US Senate has officially rejected the proposed $118 billion supposed border bill. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Yes, this is a factory in many ways, a factory for... Free speech, a factory to uncover the truth, even if we have to have a surgical operation to do so. Thank you very much for your company today. I've got Natalie Beisner with me as our guest. Um, Nat, while speaking to a crowd in Las Vegas over the weekend, Joe Biden told a story about speaking with uh, the former French president, Francois Mitterrand, in 2021. Mitterrand died in 1996. We've been running um, some audio over the last, what has it been, the last uh, 12 hours featuring Biden just simply losing the plot. His mental capacity is at at an all-time low, and my mouth's at an all-time low. Um, (laughs) Like, seriously, he can't expect Americans to give him another four years, for heaven's sake. I don't know. I don't underestimate the hatred for Donald Trump. Um, I I don't think the elections are secure, but even with secure elections, I think a lot of people will vote against Donald Trump, but I'm hopeful. I don't know. But, you know, even Van Jones recently said that the best move for the Biden campaign is to go back to the basement campaign of 2020, which he got away with because it was COVID and we had to be super ultra alert about COVID. But now obviously COVID is over and there's very little excuse for him to be not speaking to the press. He's turned down the Super Bowl interview for a second year in a row. Trump offered to do it. And I hope that people are seeing um, this man cannot lead us. And I think the Democrats are panicking because they have nobody else. Yeah, you can run, but you can't hide because especially during an election campaign, We're going to see very little of him um, 
freestyling, in other words, freestyling in interviews, freestyling in press conferences. He'll be reading auto cue at each and every rally if he's, you know, pulled up to host one. And that will be a dead giveaway. There is nothing about this upcoming election campaign that will benefit or be advantageous to the president. Exactly. You are correct. It's uh, Van Jones is right that it's better for him to just hide. Uh, you know, he either has nothing to say or he literally cannot give the answers and, and neither is a good look. And I don't know what medication he might be on. And I'm not I'm not trying to belittle the bloke. I actually feel sad for him. And the fact that those around him, whether it's family or advisors or the party, that they would put him through this and make a, a fool of him after such a, a dedicated period in political life. Um, but, you know, the the bloke has dropped the ball on so many occasions. He there was a there was a clear moment about 48 hours ago when he was talking about the Republicans in the House not wanting to solve the border problems because they stood against his latest bill. Um, and he, he sounded erudite. He sounded um, terrific. He was on the ball. And when you hear him today and when you hear him with what he said on Francois Mitterrand, he has to be on some kind of medication. But on most occasions, we've got him and the medication's worn off. <laughs> I think you might be right, because I haven't heard enough of those when the medication's on. But I'll have to take your word that he sounded lucid 48 no, hours ago as he, he was did. lying about the border. Yeah, he did. Now, the top vote getter in Tuesday's Republican presidential primary in Nevada was not former UN ambassador Nikki Haley, the only major candidate on the ballot still in the race. Most voters, around 60 percent of them, chose None of these candidates, a ballot option required by state law. That is probably one of the greatest embarrassments a presidential <laughs> candidate could possibly face. I think so. I think this is, I know this is the the first and only time that this has ever happened. And uh, since that was put into law, and I think it speaks volumes about where the GOP is. I, To my knowledge, people actually had to drive to the polls to vote this way. You had to go out of your way to, to vote uh, in this. And so it wasn't just checking off a box. It was it was intentional. And I think the people have spoken clearly in the poll numbers over and over and over again, hence why Vivek and DeSantis, et cetera, have all dropped out. And uh, Haley hasn't gotten the message yet that the GOP is um, being revitalized. We're not for the rhinos anymore. We're not for the warmongers. That's not us. Yeah. The most embarrass embarrassing, <laughs> probably, probably for Nikki Haley, the most embarrassing thing she's ever experienced. Now, what is Trump up to here? The president, former president has rushed to Bud Light's defense on Tuesday as a lobbyist from its parent company, Anheuser-Busch, is scheduled to host a fundraiser for him. Talk about fence sitting. If he doesn't watch it, he's going to get a bum full of splinters, Natalie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm happy to call out Donald Trump, even though I support him uh, when he does wrong. I think this is an instance of him being misguided. I wish he would get off Truth Social, uh, just like I wish he would have gotten off Twitter. He did a long sort of incoherent, weirdly capitalized, sometimes exclamation point post about this. And I disagree. I think it's a bad look for him. We've gotten no apology whatsoever. I don't think we will get one. It's uh, almost a year out at this point since they put out that ad. 
And uh, the American people know better. I, it's clear to see the ties that the Trump family has to Bud Light. And this is not an American company. First of all, they may have plants in America, but it's not an American company. And they also haven't apologized. Uh, so no, no to ending the boycott. I mean, I'm not a Bud Light drinker, so it's no skin off my nose either way. But no, don't drink Bud Light. Okay, <laughs> all right. B- big red cross, big red cross on his uh, yeah. performance in February. All right. Actor and former professional MMA fighter Gina Carano has sued the Walt Disney Company and Lucasfilm over claims she was wrongfully fired from the series The Mandalorian in 2021. This story is close to your heart, I hear. Yeah, as I was walking away from the Democratic Party in late 2020, early 2021, this was happening in February, two years ago, uh, three years ago now. Wow. And, um, you know, I I remember watching it. I watching her interview with Ben Shapiro um, and just feeling so it's such a kindred spirit with her because she's just a regular person who posted some stuff on social media, uh, whether rather milquetoast stuff, nothing too controversial, but for Hollywood, I guess everything's controversial and she was fired and she found out about her firing over social media. Uh, nobody called her initially before Disney posted it on Twitter. And I, I, I'm glad to see this three years in the making. I hear that Roseanne Barr might join the lawsuit. I'm glad to see Musk. You know, I think he has obviously a beef with Disney for pulling out of advertising for X. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see it. I mean, this is what she posted was mildly comparing uh, Jews in the Holocaust to people hating people for their political views in 2021. Very mildly. I know that touches on some touchy subjects. People don't like the comparison. But again, it was so mild. And it, yes. it was ridiculous for her to be but fired. There's no, but, but, but Nat, in, in 2023, 2024, there's no such thing as being mild. You're no, either, you know, it's all black and white. Every they, People have turned into absolutists. So you're absolutely. either absolutely horrible or you're absolutely mm-hmm. free to say what you wish. It, you're right. Yeah. And you have to choose a side. Um, but it's time for these. I mean, we are winning the culture war right now. I don't know about 2024, November. I don't know about anything else. I don't know about World War Three, et cetera. But Republicans, people right of center, sane people, non-woke people, people who understand truth and reason and morality, we are re- winning the culture war. And this is just another step in it. They have uh, run it for far too long. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what the future brings, like I yeah. always say. And the more people like Gina Carano step up and take those people on, those culture, cancel culture uh, vermin on, the more others will step up too because, you know, it's it's just, you know, obvious human nature. There's strength in numbers. Uh, We like to be in a, a strong crowd if we're going to stick our neck out. And so all strength to Gina, but all strength to those who might be choosing to do and protest in a similar way. Absolutely. Yeah. There's now, strength in numbers. Let's get to you and your life. We're going to get very personal here, very personal. <laughs> you recently okay. travelled to the Vegas SHOT Show, and yeah. I was watching some of the images that you put on your socials. I was very, very, quite intri- intrigued. But flying there was not the best experience. Explain this to our <laughs> viewers. Um, well, flying there, I flew Alaska Airlines for the first time, which recently had a door fall fall off. I don't think it was their fault. Maybe it was Boeing's fault. Uh, mid-flight did yours, and had to do Did with- your door stay on? 
No, my door stayed on, but right. we did, did take us two hours to take off, which I'm oh. a relatively new flyer. I was afraid for seven years, haven't flown, but I've now I've flown a lot since October. Took us two hours to take off. I know that happens when you fly frequently, but the pilot wasn't really giving us any updates. Oh. Uh, but there and back, I had my luggage searched with the little tag that says, we went through your luggage and didn't take anything and didn't damage anything, and we're not responsible if we did. And I know that's not necessarily Alaska Airlines fault, that's TSA. And then on the way home, I got a very thorough pat down. I don't know if it had anything to do with me being at SHOT Show. I didn't shoot any guns there. Um, I'm not sure, but it was uh, quite an experience. Yeah, I... <laughs> the security at some airports in the United States, and I experienced this only 15 months ago when I was in the States. Um, gee, I tell you what, they are beyond strict, they are obsessive, and they don't go about it in a nice way, do they? Not at all, no. And I don't know really any different because it's it's been this way my whole life uh, since 9-11, but they are like... I, they do. They go out of their way to be to treat you like cattle. It's so unnecessary, especially when you're a nervous flyer, which so many people are. And mm. I'm not asking anyone to go out of their way to comfort me, but don't go out of your way to be uh, rude and unkind and abrasive with me. Yeah. And, you know, I know we don't have time to get into it today, but illegals are flying on major airlines, planes in the U.S., and they are not having to go through this. They aren't even having to show photo IDs. And I would love for any American citizen, especially one on the right wing, to try to get on a plane uh, to go through TSA without showing an ID. Uh -huh. And it's just the juxtaposition is so stark because of how poorly they treat us. <laughs> and we've reached that ludicrous situation where migrants don't even have to have ID to do their travels, and you do. And <laughs> it, it just shows how full circle America has be become, mm -hmm. and it's as twisted as it could possibly be. But did you enjoy the SHOT Show? Oh, it was great. It's an industry-only trade show. I was lucky enough to be invited by a friend who's a veteran and in the firearms industry. I did some media for him. Uh, the whole thing, if you walk it all, it's 10 to 12 miles. It's huge. Every company you can think of from the biggest name down to the smaller names who are up and coming, everything in firearms and archery and self-defense. It was really amazing. So could you purchase and did you? No, there was no purchasing by the public, but I got to handle a lot of stuff and take some cool photos and learn a lot, which uh, is great because I'm just now getting into firearms. So Okay, okay. Looking forward to hearing the progression yeah. of that uh, bit of recreation. All right. Fabulous to have you on the program as usual. All the very best. We'll catch up soon. Thank you, Chris. Natalie Beisner, as I said, adorable, but some people fear her because she can um, – you know, call a spade a huge, huge shovel. But that's why we have her on the program. We love having her here, which is fantastic. Can I just go back to Biden again? It's got out of hand so much that the New York Post posted and published an editorial today. This is editor stuff, not a columnist, an editor, writing about Biden's mental decline. That's how bad it's got. And you only have to look at the past three days to see how bad it's got. The President of the United States is not all there. It's been obvious to many of us for a long time, but it's now grown impossible to ignore. Answering a question about hostage negotiations on Tuesday, a frail Biden was plainly confused and disoriented, mumbling and pausing, even unable to recall Hamas's name. There is more movement and I don't want to, I don't want to, let me choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, there's been a response from the opposition, but um, uh, 
and then a reporter, a friendly reporter, had to help him out. You heard that in our news bulletin. Biden's been having these senior moments, writes the editor, since before he took office in 2021, and they're getting more frequent. On Sunday, he mixed up French President Emmanuel Macron with former President Francois Mitterrand, who died in 1996. We mentioned that with Natalie there. At a South Carolina rally the week before, he called Donald Trump the sitting president. How do you get that so wrong if he's your arch enemy? This week before that, in North Carolina, he insisted he had just had his picture taken with Republican Deborah Ross, then recalled, oh, she couldn't be here, actually. That's not true. I got mixed up. She's up in Washington right now. Basically, every time he's out in public, he glitches, even when he's got a teleprompter. Heck, he's routinely confused about where to go when he leaves a podium. That, that looks more embarrassing than what he says sounds. No wonder his staff, writes the editor, obsessively keep him out of the public eye and ear. They just turned down his best chance to correct with the public in the entire election year. The traditional Super Bowl interview, as Nat said, he said no. He can't be trusted with that. What can he be trusted with? And that's what this election boils down to. It's not about what you're going to get with Trump. We know what we got with Trump and we know what we're going to get with Trump. And at a time when the world is so unstable, he was very good at international diplomatic relations and hopefully he's the one that can quell some of the conflicts and wars. We know what we get with Trump. It's not about Trump. It's about this bloke. If he can't be trusted to do an interview at the Super Bowl, as this editor says, what can he be trusted with? That's what November's election is all about. Let's take a break. This is Chris Smith on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. By now you probably heard all about the two police officers in New York City's Times Square that were beaten by a gang of illegal thugs. Four of them were arrested and released on bail and they're now headed to California and they're probably there by the border of Mexico already. But there's more to this. Stuff we haven't heard yet until now. There is this one percenter, you know, criminal element that looks at a different opportunity here. These individuals, I went over their rap sheets yesterday, multiple charges, grand larceny, robbery, attempted robbery, grand larceny, grand larceny. Uh, This particular crew operated on mopeds and scooters. They were doing organized retail theft. They were doing snatches on the street, iPhones, iPads, clothing, so on and so forth. Uh, One of them that they are still seeking has 10 charges on one day because he's part of a pattern that's been going on. That's CNN's John Miller. He's a former NYPD deputy commissioner, and he wasn't finished. I'm looking at the dates that their arrest started, which is probably close to when they got here. They've only been here a couple of months. So what the detectives are telling me is they have crews here that operate in New York, do all their stealing, then go to Florida to spend the money and then come back. And I'm like, well, why don't they just stay and steal in Florida? And they said, because there you go to jail. Oh. Keep us back on this. this is- the silence of the CNN anchors says it all. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. 
No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. Reaching residential areas by... And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. You're listening to Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You know, in the realm of justice, you see a hell of a lot of conflict of interests, but you usually give the benefit of the doubt to the judges because they're so eminent, to the judiciary because, you know, they're smart, they're intelligent. Well, until you read something like this, this is from Fox News. Massachusetts Governor Maura Healey has nominated her former romantic partner, with whom she shared a home for several years, by the way, it wasn't a one-night stand, to the state Supreme Court. Hello? Really? If approved, Appeals Court Associate Justice Gabrielle Wallahasia will serve as an Associate Justice of the Supreme Judicial Court. She would fill a seat left vacant by Justice David Lowy. So the girls spent a long time together in a home, together, as romantic partners. And then down the track, one appoints the other to the Supreme Court. Come on. Come on. Um, Healy told reporters, there is no one more qualified or more, uh, I won't even read that. You know how she would have said what she said to justify it all. Healy, the first woman and first open member of the LGBTQ community to be elected governor of the state, defended her choice given her personal history with that woman. Of course, I had a personal relationship with Judge Wallahogian for many years, so I happen to also know something about her character. Dear, oh dear. Uh, however, a lot of people have disagreed with all of this, and uh, that includes the chair of the Republican Party, Amy Carnevale. It is highly inappropriate, said Amy, for the governor to nominate to the highest court an individual with whom she had a long-term romantic relationship in the past. This nomination clearly demonstrates a lack of accountability inherent in one-party rule. I couldn't agree more. That is just wrong. And if you can't get someone else to appoint the next Supreme Court judge, give it give it away. Don't appoint her. It's a conflict of interest. And you wonder why people have no faith in politicians and now the judiciary, because the judiciary tries to get away with that sort of stuff. It won't work. Very quickly, I need to tell you that the Prince of Wales has thanked the nation for the kind messages of support for his father, Charles, and his wife, as he returned to public duty for the first time since the King's cancer diagnosis was revealed. You know, the UK salivates over anything to do with the monarchy, especially when it's bad. And for the last four days, I have watched most of the newspapers, the Independent, the UK Telegraph and others go wall to wall with what's happening with Charles and his cancer and how the UK needs to watch very carefully for their own 
problem with cancer and what William is doing and another story about what Harry is doing and another story about what Megan is doing and what Anne should do as a result and what the rest of the family might be able to help with while Charles is out of, like it just went, like you couldn't find a decent story out of the UK. And of course, of course, there are obviously good cases to get stuck into because it was wall to wall monarchy. What fa- they are fascinated and obsessed with this sort of stuff, but anyway, good to have William stand up and publicly speak about what went on. Um, the prince has been at his wife's bedside, by the way, following her serious abdominal surgery. Undertook his first enga- engagements in nearly four weeks, expressing gratitude for the support in recent days. It means a great deal to us all. There has been a real outpouring for Charles, the kind of outpouring that maybe a lot of people would not have guessed would occur. Um, and I think since his coronation, I think he's taken off, uh, taken up a, a degree of importance and respect that he hadn't had when he was purely, um, you know, the Queen's son. Uh, and I think that's certainly taken place since his coronation. Um, it comes after Buckingham Palace announced on Monday that the king had been diagnosed with an unspecified form of cancer. Now, speaking at this gala, he said it's fair to say the past few weeks have had a rather medical focus. Um, Tom Cruise was at this event, may I add? Yeah, Mission Impossible, all right. Uh, Cruise, who once landed a helicopter on the lawn at Windsor Castle after being invited to tea with the late Queen, as only Cruise would do, was among the gala attendees. He and the Prince posed for a photograph together and shook hands. The Prince of Wales was at home recuperating after surgery. So he's had his surgery. He's recuperating as we speak. Um, The king had a telephone call with Rishi Sunak as well on Wednesday night, we're hearing, with the Prime Minister wanting to convey his good wishes personally. Uh, Their formal weekly or their formal weekly audiences are expected to return in person from February 21, subject to the monarch's health. So it could be as early as February 21, when this is all over, but you know how cancer reacts. And I made this point with Prue, who has her own troubles within her own family, uh, family members suffering cancer at the moment. And and she too had a problem with breast cancer. Um, she knows more than anyone that this is a haunting disease. It comes back to haunt you. And so fingers crossed, um, let's touch wood that that is not the case with Charles. But I think... Um, I think the entire um, the entire monarchy should be well aware of that eventuality, and they need to be prepared for when that occurs. For William, in particular, to step up. Now, as for Harry, we spoke about Harry yesterday. He apparently made a quick trip to London. Well, he's gone already. He stayed about twelve to twenty four hours, so the experts are saying, and he's out. He's taken a flight back to California already. Maybe Meghan was on the phone saying, "That's enough now." Get home, Harry. You're not a member of the royal family anymore. Get home. Come back to me. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, As the Prince of Wales arrived at this gala for the London Air Ambulance at uh, Raffles in London, he told the Assembled Press, we really appreciate everyone's kind messages. Thank you. Um, And so that's really interesting. So there's been a total and utter outpouring of support. for Charles, and I think it really tells us a little bit more um, than we kind of knew uh, was the respect um, that uh, those 
in the UK had for Charles, which is great. Now, on America's 250th anniversary, um, we are falling further away from our founding principles. This is a, uh, a, a an article that I spotted today in the New York Post that I implore you to read. And it really gives you an indication of the failure of the current administration to uphold the principles of democracy in 2024. John Adams, our second president, called for a nation of laws, not men. His deep desire for a country and citizenry not subject to an individual's rulers' uh, governance. Um, it's how Americans have understood our government. But now all of that has changed. And it's a wonderful, you should read it. It talks about John Kerry, it talks about Biden, and it's a, it's a lesson for all Americans in that article in the New York Post. Wow. I didn't have enough time to tell you everything I wanted to tell you, but we're back for the next hour. We'll be catching up with John Ruddick and also Shane Healy. Don't go anywhere. This is Chris Smith on TNT. TNT.